Welcome to episode 53 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, Pure Liberty with Andrea Wadey. Andrea Wadey has been riding since she was a child, competing in show jumping and endurance, and later running a successful horse tours company. But she always felt something was missing and wanted more in the relationship with her horses. Andrea went on a journey studying with Liberty trainers and trying new techniques with her own horses. She has trained with many of the world's leading Liberty trainers and through this and experiences with her own horses, she created what she calls Pure Liberty. Moving to Costa Rica from the UK, Andrea's journey took a turn down a path to find a way to connect with horses without coercion. Crossing the country of Costa Rica with fellow Liberty trainer Elsa Sinclair, the creator of the Taming Wild movie series, they explored bonding with two very damaged rescue horses through movement and a Liberty mindset. Through this experience and years of study, Andrea found the missing piece in her horsemanship and the essence of creating relationship with horses. Andrea is now dedicated to helping others improve the relationship, trust and bond with their own horses. She is also the author of the newly released book, Crossing Bridges, where she shares the enlightening journey of exploring Costa Rica on foot with the two damaged horses and the Liberty mindset that she now teaches as pure Liberty. Andrea Wadey says, because of the horse, I am grateful. They led me to the question that has been my driving force that brings me to today. Who did I need to be as a human for a horse to want to connect with me without tools in my hand to convince them Without having treats in my pouch to motivate them, who did I need to be? Because of the horse, I have been humbled. They forgave me when I thought I knew everything, but ultimately knew nothing. They have been my best teachers and my best friends. I can't imagine my world without them. In this episode, we discuss Andrea's horsemanship journey from the traditional make-them-do-it approach to forming friendships with rescue horses across Costa Rica jungle to eventually creating pure liberty. Andrea's realizations when she first attempted Liberty with no equipment or treats, being open-minded, flexible, trusting yourself and getting past your ego when being with horses, how we as humans solve problems for our horses perhaps too much, listening to your horse as a basis for happy horse training, transcending physical cues in training horses, what is the concept of pure Liberty and how to get involved in doing it with your own horse? the number one mismatch between horses and humans, Andrea's book recommendations and her favorite horse-related purchase, why it's never too late to change your path or approach with horses, plus all the usual horsemanship breakthroughs questions and so much more. From the moment I reached out to Andrea, I found her to be warm, inviting, non-judgmental, and she just has this genuine, helpful energy, which made me feel really safe um, and, and welcoming talking to her. So it was a really nice chat. I really enjoyed talking with Andrea. And if you're interested in her Pure Liberty course, it's actually a course I've personally done myself. So I can say that I can recommend it. I've definitely implemented some of the Pure Liberty concepts into my own training with my own horses. Um, it's, it's a very well structured course. It's hosted by Horse Class, which some of you may know. Callie King um, runs Horse Class or previously known as CRK Training. Um, and yeah, it's a fantastic course. It will just help give you that that piece of liberty that isn't really taught in traditional liberty training courses, like 
very much liberty is normally about training horse to do what you want on command so that when you take off the ropes um they still do they still do what you want there's nothing wrong with that and you'll hear andrea say that but the pure liberty mindset is completely different to that it, it just adds another element of connection with your horse and i think if you're a listener of the horsemanship breakthroughs podcast i think that you would really enjoy the course also so there is a link in the show notes directly to andrea's pure liberty course so if you want to check out that just click in the link but without further ado, let's get stuck into the interview with the one and only Andrea Wadey. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory. And now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Andrea Wadey, to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm such a big fan of yours. I've read your books, watched your, read, read your book rather, watched your documentary, and I've done your online course. So I'm super excited to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I've been watching what you're doing, and it, I think it's brilliant. I think you're really doing some great stuff over there. So I was excited to come on. Oh, thank you so much. Um, can you tell us to start off with, I mean, I've I've learned a little bit about you, but I think it's great for our listeners to hear about your journey. So can you tell us about your horsemanship journey to date from when you got into horses and what has led to what you're doing today? Oh, boy. Well, it's been a long and bumpy road, as it has for many people, I think. So I was very lucky. I was kind of born in a very horsey family. So my grandmother rode, my mother rode. In fact, I think I was up on the back of a horse when I was still in my mum's tummy. Um, so as soon as I could walk and maybe even a little bit before, I was on horses. So I lived and breathed horses in England. Um, but the way that we did things over here and still do to some extent is very much the kind of show them who's boss model and don't show your fear, make them do it, which I was very good at. <laughs> but it wasn't until I met some rescue horses in Costa Rica. I'd moved with my husband to Costa Rica and we were setting up a business with horses. And I realized that that was just not going to work. And I had a chance meeting with David Lichman, who was a who is a fabulous Pirelli instructor. Pirelli was a part of my journey. I've moved on past there, but I'm still grateful for everything that I learned from them. And David's been a huge mentor in my life. And that just set me off down the track of looking for a different way. Um, and I had a horse called Archie, who was incredibly challenging. And we got some good things going. You know, we were doing a lot of the more what I now call traditional style of liberty of kind of training a pattern with ropes and then removing the ropes and the horse sticks to you, which is great. There is nothing wrong with it. But I wanted to test that. And I thought one day, oh, I've got this great relationship with my horse. I'm going to leave my 
I'm going to leave my training stick and my treats behind and it's going to be wonderful. And we used to be able to go off into this, you know, thousand acre rainforest and run around together and cut a long story short, by day four, everything was broken. <laughs> day, when I first forgot my stick, he was like, awesome, we're still together. Day two, he's like, huh, she doesn't have a stick. Day three, no treats. Day four, see ya. And I thought, oh, wow. You know, they say you take off the rope and you get the truth. Not necessarily. <laughs> and I really began to realize that this horse that I thought was staying with me for my friendship was actually staying because of the implied pressure. So I wanted to find out what what lay beyond that. And I'm not saying there was anything wrong with any of that. I just wanted to know, could it be possible to have that relationship without having those things? And the answer is yes, but it takes an awful lot longer. <laughs> and you've been through my program and and seen, you know, it is possible, but it becomes more about us than it does them in terms of not what do we want, but who do we need to be? And I have had some incredible teachers along the way, Honza Blaha, Anna Marciniak, Many, many teachers who I'm incredibly grateful for. And I think a lot of us forget, you know, we didn't get here alone. And our, our path has been taught by horses, but there's also people that have gone before us. And, you know, some of the best teaching I've had as well has been stuff that I think I don't want to do that. OK, well, that's great teaching. Knowing what you don't want to do is also wonderful. And then I met Elsa Sinclair. Um, from Taming Wild. She came over to Costa Rica and I told her about this crazy plan I had to walk across Costa Rica with a newly rescued horse and bond with it without ropes. I mean, we had to use ropes for safety on the road, but they were just for safety, um, no treats, and to see what happened. And she said, I want to come. I want to do it with you. Let's make a movie. So she made the documentary and yeah, I wrote the book about it. And here we are. And it's been the most incredible journey. I wouldn't change any bit of it, except being able to go back and beg forgiveness of all the horses I had when I was younger and didn't know. Um, but I would say, you know, you you know what you know, until you know something different, and then you do it different. And I'll probably what I'm doing now, I hope develops into something else in the next five years, you know, and my students go on to blow my mind. That's that's what I hope for the future. Mm, amazing. What an incredible journey. And I can definitely relate. I feel like um, the journey is ever evolving, you know, and um, I've said this to, to listeners of the podcast before. Sometimes I feel like I don't want to share information because I think, oh, but I might not do this in five years. I might be doing something completely different in five years um, because of that ever-evolving journey. Um, so, yeah, really interesting. And what I really like about you, Andrea, is when you talk about your past and what perhaps other people do with at Liberty or um, in their training, you do it in a very non-judgmental way, um, which is great because I think that if you are a little bit more judgmental, people aren't necessarily going to be open to the way that you're doing things. So, you have this really inviting, open, warm energy, which I think obviously the horses must love as well. Oh, thank you. Um, I think it's really important. My thing is I'll meet you wherever you are. Mm. You know, if you're riding around and your horse's head is strapped down and you've got spurs strapped to your feet and you're poking away, you know what? That's okay. It's okay because 
everyone's got to start somewhere. I made huge mistakes with horses. And my job is not to judge anyone about where they are, but to say, hey, look, we're over here doing this. We'd love to be able to add something to what you're doing. And maybe, just maybe you take a turn our way and and we'll be here for you if you are. And that's great. But I think pure liberty is not designed to be a system completely all by itself. You know, everyone wants to go on and do different things. And I've always said to my students, you know, take as many ingredients as you can and make your own cake. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be one of those ingredients. And pure liberty is the first piece. It's the foundation piece where we build an incredible friendship and bond. And then you can go on to do whatever you want. Trail riding, endurance, dressage, jumping, hanging out with your horse in the field. It's all good, whatever you want to do. But my hope is that through starting with Pure Liberty, and you can start at any point. You can have had your horse for 20 years. It's never too late to reintroduce yourself. But I want to just build a solid foundation that when you go on to do these other disciplines, you might just do it with a little less intensity, with a little less, you need to obey me right now. Mm-hmm. And the results will astound you when these horses know that there's now a two-way conversation. They go, hey, I'm going to show up for you every time. And if I don't, you need to pay attention. Something's going on. Yes, yes, love that. And I think what I also love about pure liberty is it's not like you have to throw away everything that you do currently or um, want to do. You can kind of pepper those principles into what you're already doing. And it makes a huge difference when you have that connection and relationship with your horse, when you do then go on to do whatever you'd like to do discipline-wise with your horse, because there's more of that trust. There's more of that two-way communication that you talk about. So I absolutely love that. And I also think um, with your because uh, I, I watched your documentary first and then I read your book. And if if people are listening and they're like, oh, but I've, I've seen the documentary, I don't need to read the book, read the book because you get so much more. And I, I feel like I, when you read a book, your mind goes somewhere else. Like I created this different kind of scenario in my head from your words. And I loved how you wrote from the horse's perspective in the book as well. And I have to admit there were a few teary moments for me. Um, I'd love to know from you now, though, how would you summarize your training approach or philosophy with horses today after everything that you've done? Open minded, I think, is the word that I would use. Um, I learned so much on that trek and the documentary really the documentary was Elsa's baby. Um, I was along. I had the idea and we were in it together all the way but really the the documentary is Elsa's story and it's brilliant and I love it but the book is my story um and what I learned was don't always have a plan be flexible be open get past your ego and Trust that for a horse to be really safe, you do not have to control every single step. In fact, I would say they are safer when you don't. So my philosophy is, who do I need to be to connect with the horse that is in front of me? Uh, There's no one size fits all. Every horse is completely different. So you have to be ready to change your mind. Um, 
And I would say that is my philosophy is to build a friendship first. Before I do any training, I want three months of building friendship, putting money in the emotional bank, which I talk about in the in the course. And then you are going to have a friend to train with and you will know them inside out and you will know when they say no, there is a reason for it. They are not being disrespectful. They are not being awkward or trying to get one over on you. They just don't think like that. Um, my goal is for you to understand the species better and to be able to make more informed choices about how you train and empowering my students to trust their own instincts. And they say, you know, is this right? Does it feel right? Well, yeah, then it is. It doesn't matter what anyone else tells you. If it feels right between you and the animal that you know better than anyone else on the planet, then it's probably right. Very wise, very wise. And I I feel like um, in my own journey, I've had to always follow what feels right for me, even if doing what feels right in that moment led me to realize, like you were saying before, something that I didn't want to do. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it sort of leads you back on path towards your true north, so to speak. Um, well, so I think as well, I'll just interject there, Amalia, that I think it's very hard sometimes for people to do maybe what we're brave enough to do and go, you know, what, I'm just going to trust myself. But when you're in a kind of situation where you're boarding and you have a trainer, it's I see with students, it's very hard for them to say to trainers, hey, I don't want to do that. This doesn't feel right. Um, they may realize they don't have as much experience as their trainer. Um, but experience is just a culmination of someone's path, but maybe your path and your horse's path is not exactly the same as your trainer's. And yes, they're trying to keep you safe and they want to train the horse to be how they want it to be for you, but you still get input on this and no one can advocate for your horse better than you can. And we should advocate for our horses. You know, if I had a dollar for every time a student says, I knew it didn't, I knew it wasn't right. It didn't feel right. But the trainer said, well, you have to speak up, but it's not easy. You know, those of us that have horses at home, we can do it however we want to do it. But I do sort of say to people, you really, you, you must stick your head up and stand up for your horse. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really considered the experience that people might have in barns when they're sort of, I guess, more controlled by a trainer. Um, but I, I think also that people should feel liberated by the fact that they can do things differently and perhaps they can set an example for other people in their barn. Um, people, are, I think, are generally curious about connecting more with their horses. I think we all deep down do this because we love that connection with horses. We're all searching for that. So, yeah, I, I feel like it, it must be hard, but also maybe people can um, find a positive there and perhaps they can be a leader in their barn. I agree. I agree completely, yeah. Yeah. Um, before we started recording, you and I were like, oh, quick, let's record because we already started having some great conversations. And one of the things was, what's something you wish that every horse owner would do differently? <laughs> um, there's, there's a few ones. The one that we were talking about, which I think resonated, was I think we solve problems for our horses too much. 
Um, horses are incredibly intelligent, cognitive beings. They love to solve puzzles. And the more we the more we wrap them up in cotton wool and solve puzzles for them through the lens of our comfort zone or our learning, we're actually taking something away from them. And the less that they solve problems, the more that that sort of cognitive side of their brain starts to shrink. Um, we were talking about how it snowed here in England a while ago, which it never does. And everyone went into a flat spin. And I went out into the field and there's my mare digging for grass. Everyone's like, we need to put hay out. I'm like, they're learning what to do. They're not hungry, but she's definitely not hungry. Um, and they were digging and there was tons of grass and you could see the focus and the intelligence. I could see other horses watching her because she's a native breed. She's a Connemara. She's like, I will find grass. <laughs> <laughs> and there was an Arabian in the field with her who was running around going, what are we going to do? And I watched him watch her and learn from her. And, you know, you could almost feel the little synapses in his brain going, wow, is that what we do? And he copied and he learned. Now, had I have run straight in there with hay, and of course, we put hay out overnight so they could they could stay extra warm. But watching them solve that puzzle, I love stuff like that because they learn how to learn and they know what to do. If we can just step out of their way a little bit, um, they will learn more and actually become smarter horses. We solve too many puzzles for them. Yeah, I think they're a lot more intelligent than we give them credit for, right? Um, and I've seen examples of this too. Even I've I've done some training with horses where, you know, they say horses can't learn from watching other horses. But I've done some things in front of other horses that other horses are watching and then attempt that same task with the horse that was watching and they pick it up straight away. And I'm like, yeah. there's got to be something to that. You know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of um, inherent learning, but I think that, you know, young horses watch their mothers and their aunties and they learn from them. They, you know, I definitely think that they learn from watching each other for sure. What has been your biggest horsemanship breakthrough to date? Getting left in the rainforest without a horse. That was my biggest breakthrough because everything broke. Yeah. It's really, it's so wonderful rebuilding things when everything is broken. Um, I think the biggest breakthrough for me was realizing it's probably me. Mm -hmm. When things go wrong, it's nearly always me. When I'm out teaching, when things are not working, it's nearly always the human. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I can I've had people do sessions of liberty in their first time ever, and they are just fantastic. They're in the moment. We do like a like a little centering exercise first, and they're flowing around, and their liberty's beautiful, and they blow out, and the horse stops dead, and you're like, oh, this is amazing. And then they put the halter on, and they come out of that that quiet space, and next thing. The horse is dragging them around all over the place. They can't stop them. They can't turn them. And you're just like, wow, what happens when we get tools in our hands? And that is the biggest thing I would say for me is that when human beings and myself included get tools in our hands, lead ropes, reins, 
whatever, we start to focus our brain into our hands rather than coming from, it sounds kind of kind of woo-woo, but it really isn't. You know, when we don't have the tools in our hands, we have to open our awareness and open our hearts. And that's when the connection occurs. So for me, the biggest aha moment is how can I take that feeling and keep it when I still have tools in my hands? Mm, yeah. And um, I'm just thinking our listeners, if they haven't experienced pure liberty before or don't really know much about it, what would you say pure liberty is like compared to other liberty styles? It's a friendship. More than anything, it's not about can I get my horse to trot around me? Can I get my horse to spin? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with all of those things. And I still like playing that way sometimes. And so does my horse. But can my horse stay with me with no expectation, with no ask, with no telling them where they need to stand or moving their feet? Can I keep that connection? So I think about when I go and take my gorgeous Jack Russell out for a walk. We're out together and it feels so good. How much joy do you get walking around in the woods with your dog and watching the things that they do and it's fun and there is no expectation on them other than, hey, come on, we're going this way. If that dog wants to turn and go the other way, it will. Um, and that's what I like to create with my horse. And then pepper in, hey, can you stop with me? That's great. Can you back up with me? That's great. Can you turn your four quarters? That's great. But built from it's your turn now and now it's my turn. So I have this thing and actually Elsa taught me this the best, the hand touch. It's my turn right now. Can I ask you to back up? Can I ask you to follow me? Can we walk together? Can we blow out stop? Great. Touch my hand. It's your turn. What do you want to do? Well, I want to eat grass. Beautiful. Let's do that. Or I want to keep walking because I'm a horse that likes to explore things. Great. Where do you want to go? So it's about this ebb and flow of conversation rather than creating a pattern and then taking away the equipment and having this horse move around me in a defined pattern or a stick to me. Um, again, I reiterate, there's nothing wrong with it, but I want the piece before that. Can that horse be there anyway and be there because they see me as a friend? Now, that doesn't mean that a friend doesn't ask things or doesn't sometimes go, hey, quit. That's enough. We, we would talk like that with our with our friends. But if you think about a true friendship, if I was going somewhere with someone and they were constantly saying, you need to be here, you need to be there, you need to face me, you need to look, you need to turn. I'd be like, oh, dear God, leave me alone. Yeah. But if I'm going along with my friend and she goes, hey, look, let's go over here. Great idea. Let's go. Or, hey, I'm going to go over this way now. It'd be great if you joined me. OK. So it's the ebb and the flow. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it just um, when, when you're talking, it just triggered a memory for me when I was helping someone with um, they couldn't catch their horse. Right. And it, it was a performance horse and they were very serious with what they were doing, which, again, nothing wrong with that, like you say. But I just said because she could get the halter on. It was just very clear that the horse didn't want to go with her. Yeah. And I said, how about for the first 10 minutes and maybe 10 minutes in the middle of your session and 10 minutes at the end, you do what this horse wants to do. Excellent. And, and 
the change was incredible and she only sure. needed one session with me because after she implemented that the horse was happy as Larry so sometimes you know it's it well not sometimes always it's got to be give and take the relationship is a two-way street I completely agree and that's brilliant you, that you could share that with her she still gets what she wants and the horse gets a bit of what they need desperately need and um it's really easy to implement I mean the program is designed to build. It builds that relationship through the four modules and it's achievable by anybody. And it will give us a long, hard look at ourselves. Absolutely. It really does. And that's a part of it. Before you touched on what the horse needs, can you tell us what you think makes a happy horse? Friends, freedom, interaction you know with their own kind and a horse that's listened to you know not every horse wants to be turned out in a hundred acres with 10 horses you know you've got to see what works for your horse but it's rarely going to work for a horse if they are shut in a stall for 22 hours a day trained for an hour with no ability to touch another horse you know they horses are a species that are social and they need things. Um, and I think being able to see the horse's world through the lens of the species, not by what we need out of the equation. And you can still get what you want. That's what I reiterate. But let's just start to, you know, horses didn't ask to be domesticated. They didn't ask to be brought into our world many times they have no idea of the changes that are coming you know they're sold which you know that happens my mare moved to me and they are suddenly plucked from their family and change everything changes for them so it's very stressful and I think making life as least stressful for them as possible is really important as an owner so you know making sure that they have friends and movement and interaction and connection with the human that is expecting something of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think, though, with stress that it's always a bad thing or do you think some level of stress can provide enrichment, say? I do. Yeah. 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 I mean, excitement is stress. Fun can be stressful. Um, We don't have to make a Zen-like pool all of the time. You know, horses, when in their feral state or wild state, you know, they are constantly solving puzzles and, and moving through terrain and having to think. And that is a form of stress. Um, What we don't want is a kind of negative stress pattern where we're seeing stereotypes through um, environmental stress that doesn't suit that species. But yes, I think that, you know, learning can be stressful, but it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable and it doesn't expand their comfort zone. I think as horse owners or or guardians, whatever you want to call yourself, it we have a bit of a duty to expand our horse's comfort zone so that they can live in the world with humans. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about Elsa. Elsa's been a massive influence in my life. She's fantastic. You should all look her up. Um, and she had a Mustang in her first documentary, Taming Wild. Brilliant film. I should watch it. Um, and she had a Mustang that she bought in 
with uh, and started with no equipment whatsoever, no treats, no pressure. And um, the first thing she did once she finished the documentary was taught the mare to take a saddle and a bridle because it's like she said, who knows what's going to happen to her in the future? Perhaps something would happen where she couldn't be with her mare anymore. Um, and the mare might have to go out into what we call the real world. Um, so I think that, you know, expanding their comfort zones, and that does include a bit of stress, is not necessarily a bad thing. I think it can be quite vital. Yeah, that makes total sense. And speaking of Elsa Sinclair, and before you also mentioned some other incredible mentors that you've had on your journey, if you could have dinner with any three horse people, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, my goodness. Cartier Schumann. Yes. Um, Cartier is one of the most underrated and best horse people out there. Um, I would like to have dinner with the man who got the Lipizzanas out during the Second World War. Mm -hmm. He's massively inspiring to me. And there's another lady who I can't remember her name. And she wrote a book called My Saddle is My Passport. And oh. she's probably gone now. And she packed her saddle. I think it was like in 1930 or something like that and left England and went off around the world um, finding people to work with horses and study and um she was super inspiring that book's amazing that is they would be my I haven't read so I'll add that to my list um we add books that people recommend on the podcast to a list and I send it out to um people who subscribe to my emails and I'd love to know from you if you have any other favorite horse books or resources that you'd recommend oh there are so many really good 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 ones um jennifer zellig's has just done a great book i think it's mindful partners yes. um i think i've got that title right jennifer is also a mentor of mine um that's really really good and i really liked at the time when it came out um the soul of the horse joe camp oh, that's yeah. a great book for people that are still in a very traditional world i think that's a great bridge across into maybe looking at life in a different way. Um, the other book that I absolutely adore and recommend to people, but it isn't horse-based, but actually it kind of does touch on what's possible outside our normal realm of understanding, and that's Mutant Message Down Under. Oh, okay. Amazing book. What's it about? So it is about a lady that spent time with the Aboriginals and it's amazing. Oh, I really want to read that. I've got a few books to add to my list now. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and what has been your best horse-related purchase in the last 12 months? Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Um, I really, really love my Light Rider Bridal. Mm -hmm. um, I actually think that comes from Australia. I think so. I've heard of them before, yeah. Yes, I really, really love that. And gosh, what else? 
I don't buy a lot of horse stuff. Mm. I will be honest because a lot of my work is just done with me and my horse or, um, you know, a loose lead rope. So yeah, yeah that would be my go-to at the moment, I think. Nice. So does that mean you're doing a bit of riding at the moment? I'm just starting my mare with the idea of. So um, when I'm out hiking with her, I'll just kind of bring her up alongside a hedge and launch in her general direction. I am not suggesting that anybody does it that way, but that's just how I do it. So I'll just kind of sit up on her and ask her to to see if she wants to carry me and we have a conversation about it and so far she's very willingly let me up on her back and she is a mare that will let you know when it's a no um and then she'll walk a bit and then she'll stop and be like okay that's enough um so we're just starting oh I tell you what else I did get was a beautiful in hand um slightly more fitted bridle um, still a loose nose band, but um, I'm going to let you know where that came from because it is beautiful and I love it, but I can't remember the name of it right now, but maybe we can post it underneath. Yeah. So this is an in-hand like Cavison? Yeah. 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 They're hard to find really nice Cavisons actually, especially here in Australia. I, I feel really like, like got a bit more choice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This one came from Germany. I just can't remember right now the name of the company. Lovely. Well, let me know and I'll pop it in the show notes as well. Thank you. So what is your ultimate goal with horses? Ah, to transcend physical cues. Mm. That's my ultimate goal. I don't know that. I mean, I do get it sometimes, definitely. But I feel, and you'll see that in the book, there is definitely another way of communicating that humans have mostly lost but I think we can get it back. And I think the generations to come will be able to do this because I feel in these younger generations now, they're being exposed to the types of learnings that we're going through now. They're getting exposed to them much younger. So, you know, they don't have to undo so much baggage. Um, So that's my ultimate goal is just to taste that a little bit more than I already have. Do you feel like that's telepathic communication with horses? I think it's a form of, I don't really know what it is, I'll be honest, but I know that there's been times where I've just thought, let's canter, boom, and it's there. And when I'm on the ground with my mare, um, I do think they're picking up on a lot of physical cues. You know, we could have hours of conversation on this topic, but there are definitely times when, you know, you're opening yourself and you're just in that flow state and things just come and they happen. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think I've also experienced glimpses of it, but it's usually when it's just me and the horses, it's quiet. There's no one else around. I feel like I'm in a, it's like time stops, you know, you're in flow. Um, and the other times yeah. I've experienced it is actually in lessons where when I'm teaching and, and I'll go, oh, the horse has got an itch in this very particular spot, right? <laughs> and then cool. sure enough, as soon as we go scratch that spot, the horse is making that shape that they do with their lips that they like, you know, they're saying, oh, yes, that, that's the spot. And then we can carry on with the session. But I think, and, then, and the owner goes, how did you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the more you can do this, just trusting your instincts. Mm. Um 
you know, I, I think everyone can relate to this on some level, whether it's happened with horses or with a child or with a dog or with themselves. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think everyone's experienced it at some level. And the more we can trust that, the more it starts to open up. But stress and busyness, um, I think that, you know, we surround ourselves, you know, with our cell phones and with our computers. And I think that all just shuts it down. So getting out in nature, spending time by ourselves, um, just walking in nature and observing the horses and being with them, then it starts to open that back up. Um, and I always say, you know, once you go down this road and you see that it's very hard to go back. Yeah. Because it's you just think, wow, there's so much more to come. Yeah. In the Pure Liberty course, you've got a pasture meditation in there. Is meditation something that you recommend people do to perhaps be in more more in tune with their intuition or to be able to be more in flow state with their horse or to eventually be able to communicate on that perhaps telepathic level? What are your thoughts on meditation? I mean, I think meditation is an amazing thing. I think it's challenging. You know, I, I still find it very challenging. I think whatever it means to you, you know, like I've recently taken up knitting, the bizarrest thing. I have such a busy life. And someone's like, you need to knit. It will slow you down. And I do have a lifelong quest of slowing down and being able to be slower for the horses because I think that's the number one sort of mismatch that I see between humans and horses is that we just go too fast in our brains, in our bodies, you know, we lean into the wind and we're marching along and it's just so disconnecting. So knitting has turned into a form of meditation for me because you're very present in that moment. Um, it can be whatever anyone needs it to be. Some people get in a real meditative state when they're swimming, you know, or you can sit in formal meditation, whatever works for you to slow you down, slow down your mind, um, and be able to clear your mind. Um, certainly on the trek, and this is another little piece of the puzzle, I think that sometimes that connection and, and you know, working at a much deeper level with a horse can come through adversity as well. You know, Elsa and I encountered terrain and situations that we had not accounted for. And I thought, my goodness, everything we've put into these horses is going to be broken. That friendship is going to be smashed. It wasn't. It was stronger and it was way, way deeper. And we were so in it together because we didn't have time or capacity to have a leadership conversation going on when you're thigh deep in mud thinking, what have we done? You know, this is horrendous. And the horses were right there with us and it was incredible. And afterwards, I truly felt that our bond was unbreakable. Yeah, when I was reading that part of the book, um, when it got a little hairy and you were uh, knee deep in mud and water and that sort of thing, I just thought, oh, surely the horses are going to be like, nah, screw this, we're going elsewhere. Um, but then I thought, you know, sometimes, well, with human relationships, when you go through adversity together, you form a bond. Um, 100%. Yeah, and it's, but not not adversity as in that person forces you to go through that adversity. <laughs> Usually you have sure. that friendship first and then you go through perhaps a hardship and that brings you together. So I thought, well, maybe that's why. Um, and these horses, they were rescue horses. They were horses previously labelled as dangerous, right? Like don't ride these horses. And yet um, you were both able to ride the horses at Liberty, right, on the beach at the end. <laughs> 
Sorry, I yeah, well, um, now. <laughs> <laughs> Elsa's horse was definitely labelled as dangerous. Um, my horse, Zeus, he wasn't labelled as dangerous, but he was very, very thin. Um, he was completely broken. Yeah. Um, and he had this way of, you know, he was a, a, a taller horse and he had this way of just walking through you. Um, but I wouldn't lay. Yeah. Uh, Elsa really had a very dangerous horse, but they were challenging in very different ways. Um, neither of them wanted to trust. They had no reason to trust humans. And, you know, we had this vision. We were just going to float down the road with them at Liberty. And, you know, the first three days, four days was hell on earth <laughs> and we were like what have we done oh my goodness but yeah it 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 was incredible and yes we we got to the end and oh i i don't know if i would do it again because i think it would never be the same but it's one of the best things i've ever done in my life and i learned a lot yeah it sounds like an incredible journey and even the moment where I won't spoil it for everyone, but the moment where you face sure. um, yeah. that was like a really teary moment for me. I have to say it's actually a really emotional yeah. book. Um, so I definitely recommend that everyone reads it, even if they have seen a documentary, which like you say, is sort of more Elsa's um, baby, so to speak. There's sure. so many gold nuggets in today's episode, but I'd love to know what is the one message that you would like our listeners to hear from today's interview? It's never too late to change. It doesn't matter what you have done um, or not done. It is never too late to change. Just slow down, open your mind and reach out for help. I think sometimes our egos can hold us back. I know that when I first met David Lichman, I was seeing what he was doing and I was thinking, I want that, but my ego was too strong to say, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here. I'm here for you wherever you are in your journey, but it is never too late. I think you know deep down whether what you're doing is working with your horse for them and for you, and maybe parts are working and parts parts aren't. Change can happen in a heartbeat. I see it every single day in my work that things can literally change in a heartbeat. So it's never too late. Reach out. We can help you. What a beautiful message to to end on. Um, Before we wrap up completely, where can our listeners find out more about you, what you offer and the Pure Liberty course, your book, et cetera? (laughs) Great. So I have my website, www.andreawady, which is w-a-d-y.com. Also, you can have a look at my course. Amelia is going to have um, a link to the course. Um, I yep. love it. Show my baby. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Crossing Bridges is available um, either through my website or on Amazon. Perfect. Andrea, it's been an absolute honour to have you on the show today. It's been a great chat. I've really enjoyed everything that you've shared about your journey, your knowledge and insights, especially around all things Pure Liberty. Um, I've I've just absolutely loved having you on and I'm sure our listeners have gained a lot from today's show. So thank you again. 
Oh, thank you so much. Um, I meant to say the other place you can access my course is through horseclass.com. But yeah, I've loved being here. And, you know, you are making great roads over there and helping people create change with their horses. And that's what it's about. Knowledge is to share and um, hope that our students go on to doing even bigger and better things. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses or my website AmaliaDempsey.com where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence and I'll see you in the next